The following podcast is a booze cast, which means it was recorded while we were drinking. There is lots of swearing, so if this isn't your kind of thing, please find something else to listen to. For everyone else, let's get it on. Was Scream just an audition for Scooby-Doo? Where's the scariest place you've ever been underground? Could Kier and Toby turn into deadly serial killers? All this and more on Northerner's Guide to Horror. Hello and welcome to this newly named podcast, A Northerner's Guide to Horror, with me, Keir Ferguson, and the successfully learned man, Toby Hewitt. Hello. And... It's a fantastic introduction. Everything that we were just talking about and what I was planning to say, I just completely forgot about because all I'm thinking about now is how that we're going to be successfully doing a world tour of this podcast, with starting point being the first country is India. Rural India. So we're saying hello to our listeners in central India, of which we have had four downloads now, I believe, from central India, that we're not quite sure how they have found our podcast, but Mm. all are welcome. Yeah. And following our trip to India, we're going to go down to the south of France, because we've got a couple of listeners down on the... On the uh, on the coast there, so uh, hopefully you've got some nice villas that we can broadcast from, and then we'll be going over to Dallas, Texas, which will be interesting. From the south, of, so India to the south of France, round to uh, to Dallas. Yeah, that'll be a good round trip. We're international, and it's uh, going to be going to be taking taking the podcast to the people. Mm. So. Anything drastic happens to you this week, Tobes? I know you've been working mainly and we're all trapped inside, but yeah. anything scary so, or dangerous happened? Still really just the, the being um, under house arrest for over a year. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if anyone's seen the, the Roman Polanski film Repulsion, but if you have, I am that woman. Basically, she, if, if you haven't seen it, she uh, it's, it starts off like a really normal, normal film of the 60s. And this, this woman lives with her sister, and her sister says, oh, I'm going away for a bit. I'll leave you on your own. Um, you'll be fine. And she's like, yeah, of course I'll be fine. And then the sister leaves, and literally as soon as she leaves, <laughs> this woman is not okay on her own. And it just, I won't give too much away, but everything just goes completely bizarre. Um, it's a great film, but um, yeah, I, I get it now. I can finally relate to it. The only thing that I, I really took from this week is like, I'm also feeling a bit trapped. I'm feeling completely literally locked down as we all are but it could be worse as i was seeing in the news i think this was actually last week i saw this in the news but about the miners in china who are trapped underground yeah and had been there for like a week before someone was finally got to them and that just made me realize that as bad as this situation is at least i'm not trapped in a mine underground in china Uh, this got me thinking about being trapped underground because that is one of my fears, I'm quite claustrophobic. Mm. I don't like the idea of being underground in a tight space. I'm quite good doing a cave visit if it's a nice big cave. Yeah. But anywhere that's small and confining underground, I have a big fear of. Yeah, I used to get really scared at Beamish. <laughs> the Victorian mountains, I used to really freak out. I remember once doing a um, residential when I used to work in a secondary school. I did an outward-bound residential. Mm. And they had built like a fake caving little system in the grounds of the place where you were staying. And I was like, oh, this is fine. It's not even properly underground. And uh, some of the kids were a bit scared. So I was like, oh, no, I'll nail this. They were all in year eight, these kids. Right. And there was one really tight gap that you had to squeeze through that was like the ultra level one. And uh, some of the kids were like, oh, no, I can't go through there. And they were going around the side one. And then one of the kids was like, oh, I really want to do it, but I'm scared. I'll do it if you do it. And I was like, I really don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was an important moment for this kid. (laughs) Because I was like, this could give you loads of confidence. And it had been a kid who'd had like some behavioral issues and stuff. And I was like, oh, this could be you proving that, you know, you you can be successful and challenging and tackling those fears. Uh, And I went. 
shuffling along, arms trapped by my side like a little worm, <laughs> slivering down this horrible gap. And I was just like, this is it. This is this is where I have to now stay forever. <laughs> even though it was a man-made structure that wasn't even underground. And I was like, they could definitely get me out of here. Like, they'd just grease me up and slide me out if needed. I'm sure they would. But Grease me up and slide me out. It did get me thinking, well, you just said you didn't like being at Beamish. I was going to say, where is the scariest place you've ever been underground? You know what? Great question. Other than Beamish. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it. I don't know why you'd want to pretend to be like a a Victorian miner. That's like a horror story. Anyway, Anyway, I think maybe, um, did you ever go to the Forbidden Corner when you were a kid? Yeah, 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 the Forbidden Corner. Okay, so, yeah, I suppose being a, a really tiny kid and going down into the the depths of hell at the Forbidden Corner and seeing, they've got that statue of Satan in the middle, haven't they? And there's all the, yep. the blood spurting out. Yeah, that as a child was, was pretty intense, I have to say. Now you've mentioned the Forbidden Corner and the statue of Satan. I know how we should have dealt with that situation following last week's episode. Hmm. We should have just taken all our gloves off and been in the corner. <laughs> Everybody line up. <laughs> Bend over. <laughs> Grease them up. Squeeze them out. That's the motto of our cult. Grease them up. Squeeze them out. The scariest underground place I've been. Uh, probably the catacombs in Paris. That's a good call, yeah. It's weird. It's a really weird place. It's so cool. And if you ever get the chance to go there, go. They only allow 200 people in there at any one time because it's basically, it's underground and it's it's they ran out of space in the graveyards of Paris. They had to just start basically racking people's bones up, basically buried them all underground in the middle of the city. And... They made a horror movie about it, and I can't there's remember what it's called. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple. The, the famous one, I think, is As Above, So Below about the catacombs. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's, that's a recent it. one. Um, there's another one as well that's more like a kind of slasher movie, but I can't remember the name. But yeah, it's, what a setting for, for a horror film. Because they only allow 200 people at any one point in there. Hmm. So it's kind of like a one in one out, but you don't just go in on your own, mm. you know. So like when I, when we went down, there were three of us. There was me, my girlfriend, and my sister. But we went like went in with another group, so it was like four of them. And then you you like go down all these stairs, and you get to the bottom. There's, there must have been like I don't know, ten, fifteen people, kind mm. of milling around a little bit. You like turn the first corner, and suddenly you're completely on completely on your own, and you're like. What? But we were with other people. Like, where did they all go? It's proper weird. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty cool. It didn't scare me that. I think because I knew that they would have to have met certain fire safety regulations and it will have been well inspected. That's a great way to think about it. I just t- I had to put I had to put EU logic into it. I was yeah. like. And, and, and if something went wrong, there's a lot of resources and equipment available to potentially rescue me from this situation, and I'll yeah. probably get a big payout. That's true. However, if you're at Forbidden Corner, it's just the work of some mad Yorkshire farmer. If you are one of our international listeners, or even from places outside of Yorkshire, do Google the Forbidden Corner and yeah. just have a little look at it. And if you ever come to Yorkshire, it's, it's worth a little visit. And oh, yeah. also look at Beamish. Again, great visit <laughs> if you want to live in the olden times. If you want to be a Victorian urchin and work in a mine and you want to wait three hours for fish and chips, go to Beamish. This week we watched Scream. We went yeah. back to Slasher. We, we, we had a chat and we thought, oh, we should do a comedy horror type thing. But we settled on Scream, which I suppose is a comedy horror. Yeah, 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 totally. It's a, it's a slasher film. It's, it's great. This was the first time I'd seen this film for about ooh, 12 years. Yeah. It's a long time since I'd watched it. I was 10 years old. 10. Yeah, 10 years old last time I watched it. Because it's kind of teen comedy slasher movie, it kind of plays into all the puns and there's loads of great red wine moments in it. Go on. Um, I'm just tot tot them up here. So we've got a red wine moment when there's a big uh, smashed through a patio door. Oh, yeah, early doors. Yeah, red wine moment of um, someone coming out of a closet 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know that these moments are coming, and it's the classic Hitchcock of the fear of the bang rather than the bang itself. That's very true. Yeah, it's just the fucking bang makes me spill red wine everywhere, which is just really <laughs> annoying. Cat knocks something over in a basement. That was a red wine moment for me. Wow, fucking cats! <laughs> Someone knocks on the door. That was. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I was tense watching this one. I was really tense. (laughs) And then there's a red wine moment for uh, a Courtney Cox phone call. Anyway, it was just stupid stuff that makes me jump in this one. Nothing necessarily horrific. Mm -hmm. Little bits of gore, but manageable. And it's just the classic American teen movie. The other thing I noticed about this was that if you had had a role in Friends at any point, you know, you could get yourself a nice role in this movie as well. Yeah. Because of my late 90s, early 2000s references to this, I was surprised to see Scooby-Doo in there as one of the main characters. <laughs> it's not Scooby-Doo. It's not the dog. <laughs> no, it's uh, Shaggy, isn't it? Not Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I mean, it would have been funnier if it had been Scooby-Doo, actually. The Dane. Where does Scooby-Doo come in terms of comedy horror? That's got to be on there. The Mystery Machine. It's all about jump scares and ghosts. Although I've never laughed at an episode of Scooby-Doo. That might be a hot take. You're going to come round when this pandemic's over and we're going to put on the Scooby-Doo movie that's got the guy from Scream in it who plays Shaggy. Oh, God. The premise of this film is that you were getting like a comedy phone call before... Mm. some masked serial killer who was wearing a kind of comedy costume that I did have when I was younger. I had the the screen mask and I had a little button on it that I could press and blood would run down the uh, screen mask face there, the Halloween costume. You know, on that note, I've just just remembered as you said that and I thought, why would would your parents let you wear that when you were a little kid? That's really weird. But then I remembered being four years old and my mum making me a a Freddy Krueger costume Halloween. That's excellent. What's wrong with it? Why did she dress me as an actual paedophile? Send us your pictures of you dressed as comedy paedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Send us your pictures of you dressed in Halloween costumes yeah, that, that you were made to wear as a kid. Yeah. Um, we are getting some communication actually now. We've had a request to mm-hmm. do Cabin Fever. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. The original. I'd love to do Cabin Fever too, if I'm totally honest. But we'll we'll go with the, the request. I like cabin fever as well. Yeah, well, we're going to hit that up. We'll also hit Nightmare on Elm Street up as well. Yeah. So this film starts with the girl at home on her own, and she gets the the, the phone call mm. of basically it's somebody pranking her. Um, she thinks it's the wrong number. There's a creep watching her. Mm. and they eventually reveal that they've kidnapped her boyfriend, Steve. Um, so there's this this big big play in the game with the uh, the victim. It's classic teen style, so, you know, it's affluent, pretty white girl who's so vulnerable because she's on her own at home. I always just get jealous of their houses. Oh, God, that's huge. Yeah. They even say in the report at the end when uh, Gail Weathers is... is uh... You know, she's covered in blood and she's doing the live eyewitness report. She's like, at this tasteful farmhouse. The first solution to this that I'd have at my house now is that I have this thing on my phone. It's called BT Guardian, (laughs) where if a number rings that I don't know, I haven't put into the phone, they have to speak to like a robot voice first to confirm their identity. And then the phone rings me. I answer it and the robot voice tells me, or plays me a recording of who's on the other end of the line. That's pretty cool. There's only two people in the in the world that I use my house phone for, mm-hmm. and that's for my grand to ring and for my dad, who sometimes rings on it. They're the only people that ever call this phone. My grand's number's saved in it, so she mm-hmm. doesn't have to talk to the robot lady. It just comes straight through to me, but <laughs> I still refuse to put my dad's number into it just because it winds <laughs> him up so much every time. I would... Basically, I hear this call from some creep at the other end of the phone who's probably been taken off guard by the fact that they've got to speak to a robot voice in order to get through to me, and they've already kind of lost the momentum at this point. So first tip from me is to get yourself a phone that has a functionality of a robot lady in it. And then I'd be tool up straight away, which she does do, to be fair to her. She mentions Michael Myers and then picks up the big knife. And there's this this constant reference in it to um, 
horror movies and the classic stereotypes of horror movies and how to avoid being killed in a horror yeah. movie is referenced all the way through. Yeah. It's very meta. I mean, surely there's a gun in the house. Like, in the middle of nowhere in America, you've got a gun. You don't even have to be in the middle of nowhere in America. Well, no, that's true. You could have got one at school. Just buy yes. one at school. That's... <laughs> Taking out a loan at the bank. You've got a gun. You know what, though? When I was watching this, I did think, I wonder how much films like this mm. played into the, the gun culture in America of people going, ooh, we better get a gun because yeah. what, if, what if that person comes here? Yeah, the, the good guy with a gun argument is the, the big NRA one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we saw him in um, uh, in Halloween. Obviously, the, <laughs> the uh, doctor at the end is like, I've got a gun. <laughs> I win. Well, you don't really win because Mike just <laughs> shakes it off. <laughs> Mike Mathis. She gets a knife, so I put good good girl for that after the patio door's been smashed in and she's under attack. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't go for the exit. She's already seen her boyfriend be killed. Yeah. And to be fair, at this point, we only think that there's one killer. Yeah. Uh, it's a great stabby death, I wrote in there. Proper, like... Hitchcock style stabbiness. Yeah, um, the knife being raised. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought the uh, the bit where the parents get to hear her eventual yeah. final demise on the phone was was great. There's so much of this film that's just about phones <laughs> because they're mostly quite new. <laughs> like having a, a yeah, not a mobile phone, but a um, a wireless phone is obviously quite a new concept at this point in time. So so much of it is oh, but imagine if using the wireless phone. <laughs> She's clutching it as she's dragged away. A lot of uh, what can you do with a phone in this film. It, it is pretty disturbing having being positioned as the parents, you know, seeing her being strung up. That, that's, where it, that's where it took a bit of more of a serious tone for me yeah. this movie. I was like, oh, it's just going to be... Because it's a bit of a comedy costume, isn't it, that the, uh, totally, yeah. that the killer wears? It's the Walmart costume, isn't it? It's the, the cheap Halloween costume in America. But then that happens and you're kind of like, oh, no, that was a bit real. And then you get the shot of her just hanging from the tree. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's like, oh, that's pretty grim. Yeah, the, the disemboweling is, is pretty intense in this film. And uh, But I then did put down that it was offset with an excellent acoustic rendition of Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and the soundtrack throughout this film is absolutely sensational. <laughs> it's so 90s teen movie. <laughs> But with this horror twist on it, and yeah. it's it's like American Pie horror movie. That's what it is, though, isn't it? Scream, I suppose. 100% is, um, which is why I love it, and I do, I do really love I've loved coming back to it. Again, I really haven't watched it since I was an actual child, and I, I really liked it. But yeah, the the, the, the uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, I, I felt myself just doing the cowbell as it went along with my mouth. Yeah. I did in the cowbell <laughs> for Bruce Dickens. <laughs> If you are going to watch this film and you haven't seen it yet, make sure you've got a cowbell just ready sure. away to play while you're watching it. Then we kind of meet our next potential victim and we've got the classic American teen set up of the boyfriend climbing through the window yeah. and he looks creepy anyway. I didn't know who this guy was, but my girlfriend informed me that he plays somebody in Riverdale. So that was the, the modern day reference to that, I suppose. Yeah. heads dad. He's in other horror films and my mind has gone completely blank. He's usually a bad guy, isn't he? I think he's a. He's got a good bad guy face, just because he, he looks does. like he, he looks like he's always smelling a bad fart, <laughs> but with yeah. like sunken eyes a bit. I'm like, ooh. He's not bit... only smelling it, but he's, he's really thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> processing it deeply. He's disgusted by it at all times. <laughs> then we then we get to skip to the school where all the students are talking about. The fact that there's been this horrendous murder and there's a reference to this crime that happened in the past, but we don't yeah. find out what it was. Yeah. And then, then we meet Scooby-Doo. And <laughs> I did write down Shaggy is in it because it's not Scooby-Doo, it is Shaggy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so hard to watch. He's the worst thing about this film. It, it was like he was doing an audition for Shaggy in this yeah. film. It's like yeah, this film was his audition. That is very true. I, I just, I hate everything about him. I hate his face. I hate uh, the way that he performs. And and he is someone who has now been in a David Lynch thing. He was in uh, Twin Peaks The Return, which is probably the best TV show of all time, um, where he just turns up and weeps in like a 10-minute long take. That was hard to watch. Everything he does is hard to watch. 
I reckon if you just cut out, cut out his scenes from everything he's ever been in and compiled them together, they would just form a logical timeline for things that have happened from this film onwards. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, I mean, I don't know what he was in between Scream and Scooby-Doo, but I'm going to assume nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> he felt like guilty about his acts of what he'd done in Scream. I mean, I'm giving away a lot here for what's going to be talked about there. Yeah. But he, that, that led him to then join the mystery gang and he got really into <laughs> drugs that children are. Solve crimes. Solve crimes. Either that or he's just tripping his balls off in a mental institute in prison or something like that. Yeah. And then the scene in Twin Peaks is just when he's when he's finally clean and he's he's grown up and he's like just like looking and realising yeah. what he's done. And yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that scene in Twin Peaks, he wasn't meant to be in that. He just turned up and... <laughs> Classic David Lynch was like, I'm just gonna f- just just film that. Keep 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 rolling. I think you're probably right, and I think if you did edit it all together, that would probably be the the most important avant garde film of the last decade. There's got to be someone out there with the technology to make this happen. So please uh, do it. Yeah, do it. We I don't know why I couldn't do it, but yeah, we'll watch it and we'll review it. We'll do a full episode on that. <laughs> Right, so I've gone a bit off topic here, but um, if we come back to uh, Scream, so we we kind of start focusing on this female character. Her dad go, is uh, going out of town, leaving her on her own, uh, on the anniversary, as it turns out, of the rape and murder of her mother. Mm. I mean, he's got to go away for work, but this is a theme in this, is the, the anniversary of something horrific happening yeah. in horror movies. Yeah, they're just kind of left to deal with it, like... What, have you not got over that yet? Pull yourself together. Yeah. She makes some very sensible plans to get out of the house. She leaves lots of lights on, and uh, she she wakes up, and she's a friend that's coming to pick her up is late, and the phone rings, and she gets a, a, a creepy voice on the other end of it, and then she doesn't go and get herself a weapon, mm. which annoys me. I always go for a weapon. To be fair, though, she's like, oh, it's just Randy. It's obviously yeah. Randy. And she's right. It is Randy. <laughs> so to be fair to her in that moment, she's like, oh, it's my, my idiot boyfriend doing some sort of weird thing. And it is her idiot boyfriend doing some sort of weird thing. She just hasn't quite understood quite how severe it is. Then there was a huge red wine moment where flies out of the closet. We've got, like, proper high-string psycho music going on. Yeah. But she does some good fighting. She's mean. I wrote down, make yourself a weapon out of a coat hanger, girl, because she must have been in a closet at some point. Seen Halloween. Seen Halloween. She knows how that goes. Go mm. for the eye stab. Yeah. Go for the eyes. That's the the mm. advice on any... If you oh. find yourself in a fight scene with a serial killer, try and gouge their eyes out. We do see him get kicked in the balls at the start, don't we? Which is another just standard attack when you're in that situation. Always go for the balls if you're certain. It's, you know, go for the crouch generally, regardless of gender. It's, it's always going to be a clever move. And it's funny. And it's, <laughs> so funny. it's funny to watch. And it's funny, yeah. I've written down, people have a right to know how it feels to nearly get butchered. Oh, down God. The media. Oh, yeah. So... She survives this initial attack. I get it. I, I've remembered now. She survives this initial attack, and then the media arrive pretty mm. much straight away, and her boyfriend gets arrested because he's yeah. the one who's knocking around. The media arrives straight away, and this is where we meet Courtney Cox, and she's yeah. like, the people have a right to know how it feels to get nearly murdered, and she it's gets arrested. It's, such a, it's a really funny line. And one of the things I really like about Scream is that a lot of it is just... You can tell that Wes Craven's a bit older at this point in time. And, I mean, he obviously grew up uh, Amish as well, didn't he? Which maybe has a bit to do with this. But the the things that he's kind of lampooning and criticising here are like TV, the the news media, phones, <laughs> wireless phones. There's a lot of kind of railing against the progress of technology in the 1990s. I don't, the media always are on this, though, aren't they? They're like, they just... In America, the way they're portrayed, and I was trying to understand this and being like... Is that really what the media were just like? Is that what they're still like now? Like where they just don't have any consideration for any kind of police work or investigation. It's all about the story. But then I actually watched a documentary last night on Netflix called Fear City, which was all about uh, in New York, Rudy Giuliani led the prosecution to overthrow the mob in uh, New York and 
you know, he ran the RICO mm. charges, got the case together to prosecute the five leaders of the five mob families of yeah. the uh, the consortium that were running New York. And they were going to go and arrest all five of these top mob boys. So, like, this is like once-in-a-lifetime hit. And they were planning to go do it the next morning. And then, like, NBC News just rang them and were like, it's uh, quarter to six, and at six o'clock we're running a story on the fact that you're going to go and arrest all these guys. It's like, how do you not see that you doing that is going to make them all run away, and then they're going to be continuing mob business, yeah. but not in prison? Like, how do you not see that? I don't, do you have no conscience? Yeah, it's very cynical. So that made me uh, then just think, well, yeah, that's what the yeah. media is kind of like a, a bit in America. Then um, we get to the point where Sid's boyfriend, who's this this female character that we've been following mm. for a while now, who's just been attacked at home, um, her boyfriend uh, gets arrested for this potential attack because mm. he's the only one anywhere near, and they think, well, it must obviously have been him. He's the only one around. Yeah, and he does look like a murderer. He does look like a murderer. He gets fair. arrested, but he gets released from prison because the phone records from his phone don't match up to the phone yeah. call that Sid had received of the threatening voice beforehand. And then uh, he confronts her in the hall that's in the um, in school, and he basically just tells her to get over her mum getting raped and yeah. murdered. <laughs> Which we later find out was done by him. So that's yeah. <laughs> well, the murder. Pretty... <laughs> it turns out she wasn't raped, but he did murder her. Yeah, I think it's... It, it, what's done is done, and she should get over it. Is basically what <laughs> yes. is insinuated here. Yeah, it's not great. Not great uh, partner support. No, but then we do meet my favorite. Well, we have already met him, but now we get a, a real insight into my favorite favourite character in yeah. this film which is the principal of the school yes Kia me too <laughs> <laughs> yes. earlier, earlier on in the film he's already done some amazing PA announcements basically telling people to fear for their lives and to be careful at all times run out and about because there's a murderer on the loose fair yeah. play but here we have like two guys that run down the hall yeah. in the outfit he's not, he's not happy about it <laughs> He just does not give a shit about it as well. Like, so he, um, I just wrote down, excellent principle. He expels both of the students immediately for this act and then threatens them yeah, with, with shears, with massive shears. Also, it's Henry Winkler. It's the <laughs> Hey. <laughs> he is the best character in the film. And then... <laughs> And then, when he thinks he's alone in, the, in his office as well, he's doing a comedy gag with the mask as yes. well. He's <laughs> you would, you would do it. Um, I watched it with uh, I watched it with my wife, and she was saying, um, she was like, "Why would you do that?" And I was like, "Yeah, why would, why would anyone do that? You would definitely put it on and and, and piss about when no one was there." It's absolutely quality. Yeah. We get the principal then gets I just put principal gets done and then yeah. wrote death and circled it because you, you skipped a really important moment there because uh, there's the the absolutely A grade gag where the janitor is uh, Freddy Krueger. Yes, yes, I yeah. did. And uh he uh he, he he just he's like because he's checking it out, isn't he? The yeah. principals, the principals, he's basically shut school down. Yeah, and uh, said, you know, it's it's until we figure out what's going on, we need to mm. have everybody at home and safe. And he he, be, <laughs> he just can't be asked having the kids in. He's like, oh, no. that's a great excuse. I can't keep them safe. Let's send them all home. <laughs> and he starts hearing noises. He gets a bit suspicious, and he's looking around this empty school. He opens a door, and there's just the janitor, <laughs> Freddy Krueger, behind the door. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. There's before that. There's the um, going right back to the start. The the first girl who's killed, she makes that comment about how the first Nightmare on Elm Street is great, but the rest of them are terrible. Because obviously, where's Craven who makes Scream? made the first Nightmare on Elm Street, but <laughs> it's a really good kind of gag there, and then we get that nice uh, nice uh, view of Freddy as well. But I really like, there's a bit where someone refers to Wes Carpenter, like mashing Carpenter <laughs> together, because everybody does. But yeah, there's some nice kind of self-referential stuff in here, but I, yeah, I really loved the, the, the Janet addressed as Freddy Krueger, which I would not have got on, I think, when I was 10 years old, but I did did get now and enjoyed it the principal eventually dies then there's this big inquiry into where sid's father is mysteriously went missing just before yeah. these well he didn't go missing he 
he left home to go on this business trip, but no one's heard from him. They can't track him down, so he's not where he says he's going to be because the police want to talk to him and obviously his daughter's just been attacked at home and no one can get hold of him. So he becomes a chief suspect. The deaths are starting to mount up a little bit. Oh, somebody just walked past my window and they had like a massive scarf around the face because it was absolutely freezing. But like from the light, I was like, oh, no, murderer's here to get me. (laughs) When I watched this film... I watched it with my girlfriend again and uh, it was snowing. It just started snowing outside and she wanted to look at the snow, but it was also like really late at night. So she wanted to have the curtain shut because it was cold. Mm. So we had to watch this film with all of the lights off with the curtain just opened a crack so that we could just see out. And I was like... You're fucking kidding me. This is ridiculous. Do you want me to throw this wine over the carpet? (laughs) This is how we're going to die, like, quite clearly. Like, you need to shut those curtains so that if somebody knocks on the window, you can ignore them. Yeah. I've got to, before I start watching horror films, as much as I've I've watched, you know, at this point, more horror films than... I've consumed more horror media than any other kind of media, but I still have to make sure that both the front and back door of my house are locked every time that I settle down. I lived with, with a, a couple of uh, tattoo artists in Preston for um, for a bit, and we had, like, an outhouse that we didn't use, like an outside toilet. Um, and we used, there was always a group of, a group of men who would um, smoke something that um, I think was was heavier going than, uh, than, than marijuana, we'll say. Um, and they would be in there doing that, and we used to have to go, and um, we just, I remember one of the people who used to go and bang on the, the door with a giant <laughs> arc cooling that was really long metal roots. And we'd go, hey, hey, get out! And they'd always apologise, and they'd be like, sorry, mate, I'm really sorry, I can only apologise. But then one night, we had, one night, we had all the lights out, and we were, we were sort of, we were sort of chilling out downstairs, and all the, the lights were off. But we had the window open, and we had a chair directly underneath where, where the window was. And uh, a friend of mine was there. He was quite a kind of muscle bound, like a bit of a hard man, and a bit of a a bit of a nut job. And I remember seeing just a leg coming through the open window, and then seeing my friend underneath, and his eyes were open, and he was watching like I was, just seeing the leg coming over, and then the other leg. And then he just went, you're right there, mate. And he went, oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I was just having a quick look. They were very apologetic. They were always very polite, but they did keep trying to break into the house. So, yeah, always make sure everything's locked. Lock your doors, people. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? The principal's been killed. Principal's dead. Uh, I'm enjoying drinking whiskey while we do this I this time. I think you can tell this is the first episode we've both been drinking. Somebody's looking out in a basement. Oh, they must, this must be where they go to a house party. A party. Yeah, yeah, they must be at the house party. So um, the, the principal shuts school down. So Shaggy from Scooby-Doo says, oh, we're all having a house party at my house. And like, why would you not go to Shaggy's house for a party? That's just going to be full of gaffes. We get to meet this great guy prior to this at the video store. And this is just like the ultimate 90s scene is just a guy who works in a video store, VHS, and he knows everything about horror movies. And he kind of confronts these two guys who is um, Sid's boyfriend and uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Basically for being bastards and how he thinks it might be them. Sid basically gets another phone call. Uh, whilst whilst her boyfriend was in prison, she gets another phone call from the killer, and uh, that's when she kind of realizes that it's probably not her boyfriend, because at this point we're you know we're led to believe it's just one person. So anyway, Shaggy's throwing this big party. Courtney Cox is investigating it all, and she's starting to flirt with a police officer who is the brother mm. of Sid's best friend. Officer Doofy. Officer Doofy, yeah. Who eventually did marry Courtney Cox. David Arquette and Courtney Cox did get married. So Now he's a, wrestler. Now he's a professional wrestler. 
Yeah, so there was a nice romantic theme came out of this film, if nothing else. We get a scene where a girl goes into the basement at Shaggy's house and she gets attacked. At this point, Sid's boyfriend isn't at the party yet, so again, our suspicions go back to it being him, but she puts up a great fight and you think she's done him, but instead of finishing him off, like she could just kill this serial killer who's tried to kill her and like, you know, properly yeah. just yeah. keep stamping on his head until he is no Smash longer moving. Again and again, there's more being yeah, just, or t- take his fucking mask off. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. kick him in the balls repeatedly so at least he's not gonna be able to have children and create another yeah. serial killer. Anyway, that pe- peed me off because she she can't get out of the door that she came into the basement on because it's been locked. And she can't get it open. So she tries to escape through the castle. It's so stupid. And it's obviously kind of played for laughs a bit as well. But it, yeah, she, you're right. She could have easily stopped him. So the serial killer gets up and just basically opens the garage door with her stuck in it. And it just yeah. basically slices her in two. <laughs> it's a great American comedy teen horror death. So, yeah, you could have survived that. So it's kind of your own fault for going for the, the cat flap. Never, ever try to escape through the cat flap. No. You just, you, you won't get through it as quickly as you think you will. Okay. Billy's the name of Sid's boyfriend. That's it, yeah. And we clearly think here that he's the main sub- suspect because as um, Sid's friend Tatum has just been killed by the door in the garage, Billy rocks up to the party. I had a big red wine moment when someone bangs on the van door here because Courtney Cox and her cameraman have decided to go and scope out this party to see yeah. what's going on because they reckon there's suspicious activity going on and they've set up a hidden camera in the house. Very, very hidden. Yeah, super hidden. But it's got a like a, a delay on it, yeah. so it just sets up a great, a yeah. great scene coming up later on for that. Yeah. We then have the police officer who is going to the party and runs into Courtney Cox there and they go for a nice little romantic walk and just where they're about to kind of start getting it on, they find Sid's dad's car in the woods. At this point, we kind of reckon that Billy is definitely the murderer because he turns on Sydney. It's a fake death, isn't it? Uh, think of me, Shaggy pretends to stab him and they have all the fake blood on him. Their plan, isn't it? So she thinks he's, we think he's dead, but he's not dead. Yeah. And uh, she falls out of a window in her escape at yeah. this point. And I think she deserves a look to survive because she always puts up a good fight. Yeah, she's good. She's a good one. We have the cameraman guy dies because the cameraman is watching the feed from inside the house and he sees the murderer uh, on the feed and he knows that there's a delay and the video guy the guy from the video store who has a massive crush on Sid is just sat there narrating the horror movie (laughs) about how she's clearly going to get killed and like there's a murderer right behind him but then he doesn't kill the uh, video store guy distracted yeah so he comes out and kills the cameraman. I really like that there's, um, uh, above the, the hidden camera, there's a, a VHS copy of the film Clerks by Kevin Smith, which is like the 90s film. And the, one of the main characters in that is a bloke who works in a video shop who has watched lots of films and thinks that life is like a film. So it was a nice kind of reference to where they'd sort of taken that character from. They watch Halloween, don't they? But I don't know what else they watch. They do watch Halloween because there was some great moments back to Halloween where I was like, oh, yeah. And there was the gravestone bit was shown where I was like, he put the fucking gravestone on the bed. I'm like, how strong is Mike Myers setting up his little comedy Halloween scene? We're going to come back to Mike Myers in a bit because I've got something I want to say. Courtney Cox has a phone call. Red wine went everywhere because it made me jump out my skin. She goes for survival. She just thinks... Screw everyone else, I'm getting out of here. She ends up getting in a car crash. We think she's dead from the car crash. And I I, I have to give her so much credit for this. She's like, there's clearly a serial killer out on the loose round here. 
I'm not giving anyone a lift. I'm not helping anyone. I'm getting in a car and I'm driving the fuck away from this place yeah. where there is a person. I don't know who the stabby person is. Give a lot of credit for Courtney Cox for trying to uh, trying to survive this. We, so we think Dewey's now dead. Basically, people are just getting killed everywhere. And then then a kind of a gun becomes involved from uh, Dewey, the uh, Dewey the police officer, uh, where we think he's already dead, but then um, Sydney gets hold of a gun and she should just shoot both of them. Oh, I don't know. I, I do like the video guy. I mean, I just start, yeah, laying bullets. So basically, yeah, um, Sydney has to choose between killing Scooby-Doo guy or the video star guy at one point where they're both trying to protest their innocence. I mean, you could kneecap them both. Yeah, no one ever does that, right? Yeah. I reckon if you shoot somebody in the knee or the foot, and I was thinking this the other day for something. Oh, I've been watching uh, I Am A Killer documentaries on Netflix as well. Right. There keeps being situations where I'm like, why don't you just shoot him in the foot yeah. or the knee? Because... I don't reckon anyone's running after me once I've shot them in the knee. Oh, no. No, that's it. They're grounded. And you could miss and hit a major artery because you've got a big one right on the inside of your thigh where yeah. if you hit that, they're going to die because they're going to yeah. bleed out too quickly. But you know what? Take your chance. Yeah. It's uh, you on Take out the knee or the foot. And I don't think you'd be that... If you were the video guy, I think you'd understand. You'd be like, do you know what? Yeah. I was wearing jeans. I can buy another pair of jeans. I'm fine now. <laughs> I understand. Um, an American teen in the 90s at a house party, there's a good chance I'm either a murderer or a rapist. I have to just accept that. Yeah, yeah. But we eventually get to a point where Sydney's cornered by the two killers. We find out Billy and Stu did it. They capture Sydney. And obviously, in classic Hollywood style, they don't just kill her. They have to do a lot of talking yeah. first. <laughs> And then stab each other a few times. Yeah, actually, a, a note I wrote down here was, fuck Scooby-Doo and that prick from Riverdale. Yeah. I, I hated them quite a lot at this point. Yeah, I completely did. evolved in this, in this film. They're detestable. And I think partly because, the, you know, especially the Scooby-Doo guy, they're, they're such kind of Chandler Bong-style 90s ironic characters that you just can't stand the idea of them ever succeeding in life. It's just white fucking privilege as well i'm like you had everything on a plate you do not need to become a serial killer there is no reason or cause for this my easy life was boring get in the bin yeah and then (laughs) then then came the great moment where psycho versus psycho where they're trying to set up the scene so they think they've killed everyone at this point and they've just got sydney left so there's Stu and Billy kind of like, they're going to stab each other so that it looks like they've both been attacked and survived. (laughs) But they just get carried away and just like, oh no, I'm quite into this killing stuff now. (laughs) (laughs) They basically just weaken themselves to the point where they're both going to be dead and just bleed out. They try to laugh it off. Yeah, but why don't they save that until they've killed her? Yeah. Why stab each other first? (laughs) It was just great. Uh, psycho versus Psycho. Yeah. Good old Sydney manages to to get get away, yeah, but then excellent costume theft. So at this point, Stu is basically bleeding out in the kitchen. <laughs> and Billy's pooping himself because, yeah. um, you know, Sydney's disappeared. Yeah. Courtney Cox is still alive. She's got out of a gun somewhere. Billy's trying to look around the house to find Sydney. And she she has put on full Mike Myers gag style. Put the put the horror costume on where she jumps out. It is it is Mike Myers style because it can only be done as a gag. Like what possible benefit is there to you putting on that suit? There isn't one. You've just done it because it's funny. My other favourite bit of this is that she actually finds her own father who's been kidnapped. Yeah. And he's like tied up and bound and he's in a basement. And she goes into that basement, which is where she emerges from in the costume. She could just free her dad, and then there's two on one. Yeah. But no, she leaves him tied up in a basement to, to get dressed in the costume so she can take him on herself as the comedy character. Fair play. Maybe he's alive. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was leaving her on the anniversary of her mother's death. He seems like a very sad man. So then we get 
eventually, Billy, you know, Billy and Stu are now dead. And my, my next favourite bit of this, and this is where I just finished it, Cockney Cox, who has survived this ordeal and turned up with a gun and started laying bullets into a couple of the bad guys and basically been a hero. So the scene has not even been cleared by the police and ambulance department yet, but she manages to get herself a new film crew to come down to film her doing yeah. a piece to camera. Literally no respect at all. Uh, Brushes off the fact that her previous cameraman has been murdered yeah. by a serial killer. And he's not cold. No. She's like not suffering at all from any PTSD. She's shot oh. a few people. She's yeah. like, yeah. This this is the moment. This is my moment. <laughs> I did start to like her. I've got to say, I hated her at first, but um, after you know, after she shoots Billy, I was like, Do you know what, Gail Weathers, I get you. You're not perfect. I love her. You deserve this story. And then it finishes. And now I've not seen any of the Scream sequels, but you I know, know there are it. many of them. So my wife has seen all. It turns out. And I haven't seen any of them, but she doesn't remember anything that happens other than uh, David Arquette comes back. And you know what? That's enough to draw me in. Yeah, it so... was. <laughs> so next week, Scream 2. <laughs> we will do Scream 2 at some point. Yeah. To finish off this podcast this week, there's only one thing I kind of want to talk about for this. Like Normally we do about a horrific story I've tried yeah. to find online or something that's happened, but this week I want to do it a little bit different. So we've, do, we've done two slasher movies now. We've done Halloween, we've done Scream. So in Halloween you've got Mike Myers, and in Scream you've got the two lads, Billy and Stu, who decide that they're going to become serial killers and start murdering people. In a top Trump's battle... Who is the better slasher out of the Scream serial killers or Mike Myers in Halloween? Oh, I'd love to see Michael Myers kill these two idiots. This this pair of clown shoes that we have in Scream. To see him delace them and murder them. Yeah, definitely Michael Myers. You can't kill him. You can't keep that man down. And he's funnier than they are. They think they're funny. They're not. He's funny. Mike Myers has an appreciation for the art of setting up a yes. comedy gag. That's These it. two are just a couple of fucking idiot kids <laughs> who don't... Who, they're Mike Myers wannabes, aren't they? They are. They are. I think that's why they stabbed themselves first. Yeah. Because Mike Myers takes such a beating and they get this complete Mike Myers delusion where they think that they are the ultimate serial killer they've been watching halloween yeah they want the look the michael myers aesthetic but we're they also got this idea that they're untouchable because yeah. of what they've done so they're like well mike myers could take bullets he could take stab wounds he could get yeah. stabbed in the eye and just brush it off without even making a sound and they kind of want a bit of that and i'm like you just ain't nothing anywhere near no and that's the film that I would love to see is basically these two trying to get their mind together enough to plan an assault on Mike Myers whilst yeah. he's already thought about it 20 years before by just sitting in a room yeah. doing nothing else. <laughs> I would watch that. I, um, I do have a real soft spot for all of those like crossover horror film franchises. Like uh, Freddy vs. Jason is, you know, it's objectively a bad film, but I do enjoy it. Um, I also really like the comic book version that features Ash from the Evil Dead. It just brings it all together. But uh, I, I watched The Ring versus The Grunch recently. <laughs> I really loved it. It's like a cartoon. It's terrible. This well that we have tapped into here just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's just producing so many nuggets of gold that I think we've we've got a career made out here of just doing this for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, obviously, we're earning a lot of money from it. Oh, I can't move for riches. <laughs> <laughs> we should be. This is gold. Who, who would? Um, what would be your ultimate horror versus movie? Who would you have? I like. I do like the girl from the ring. I mean, uh, what what you said last week about having you know Hellraiser. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. You could just take it directly to hell. <laughs> um, that's that's powerful. And I mean, look at it. You have fear itself, so yeah. that's that's difficult to overcome. I just, it versus Hellraiser would be pretty good. It versus Hellraiser would be good yeah. because 
what's Hellraiser scared of kind of thing. Uh, yeah, what would would it be? Because Peterhead has an elaborate backstory, doesn't he? When he used to be like a weird colonial guy in India. So would it be like his from when he was a human? Would it bring back his fears of when he used to be a person? What about an know. archangel? Would that scare a hell? Would that would that be fearful? I don't know if heaven exists in the Hellraiser universe. <laughs> you can't have hell without uh, somewhere else. You know, we've established we've established in previous episodes that hell involves being trapped in a room, stunned out of your mind, next to Adolf Hitler on a sofa while he explains his logic from my cup. That can't be the, that cannot be all there is. That if you have a film where that exists, there has to be something else. Yeah, yeah I guess then. Yeah, maybe he's, he's afraid of. The Archangel Michael or Raphael or I don't know. Michael Myers is the Archangel Michael. Well, you know what, right? In the TV series Supernatural, Sam and Dean Winchester, the two main characters, managed to throw the Archangel Michael into Lucifer's cage with Lucifer and the door is locked. So maybe... Maybe what happens is Michael spends so long in the cage with Lucifer in hell that he just becomes so messed up and twisted like Lucifer that he then returns to Earth somehow. Somebody opens the 66 seals, the gates opened. Maybe that's how he walks the Earth. Now, to come back to the original point on the top trumps of this, actually, I'd have to give Billy and Stu some credit compared to Mike Myers because Billy and Stu blend into society much more yeah. successfully yeah. than Mike does. Mike Myers just is like, no, I'm, I'm going for my Shatner mask yeah. and my overalls, and I'm never never taking it off, and I'm never changing, and that's me, and I'm just going about my day dressed like that, whereas these two blend in. Yeah, but he, I, I think he needs to. I think, again, he just he just murders anyone in his path. He doesn't need to blend in. Why would you when you're an, an unkillable juggernaut of a man? But I do think that you and I are, are starting to develop some sort of quite pro- problematic crush on, on Michael Myers. If we're not careful, we'll become Billy and Stu. <laughs> the next podcast will just be us. Um, Live from prison. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. Live from hospital, chained yeah. to our beds because we've tried to stab ourselves. <laughs> but we'd have levered up so that we would be <laughs> untouchable. <laughs> No knife can break this leather armor. I wanted to say one one thing while we were talking about religion there. And I mentioned uh, Wes Craven being brought up homage. The first film that he ever saw, because he had this kind of anti-technological upbringing, was uh, Night of the Living Dead. That's clearly impacted him. <laughs> it was in his 20s, but it was the first thing he'd seen. Next week, we will be watching Cabin Fever, the original if you have any requests, email them to northernersguide to horror at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at North Horror. Till next time, keep it scary. <laughs>